You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the National Football League landscape. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. We need to put a bow on the NFL season and the Super Bowl that saw the Los Angeles Rams defeat the Cincinnati Bengals. Let me welcome in Kyle Posey of Niners Nation as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., where we begin today, the Los Angeles Rams are currently holding their Super Bowl parade in L.A. And I don't know if you guys have seen a lot of the clips and videos, but it looks like there's 12 people there. Like It looks like there is 12 Los Angeles Rams fans there. It looks like the most sad Super Bowl parade that I've ever seen. I was just going to say that it takes me longer to drop my daughter off from school <laughs> than the Rams parade. Like, why is it so short? They knew, right? Wow. They had to know that uh, there were no fans there. But I, I guess one question is, do if you're a fan, if you're a Super Bowl fan, if you're a fan of a Super Bowl winning team, do you really care? Because, you know, you can talk crap to any other team who's, who's talking crap to you right now saying, hey, we won. Also, uh, let's need that shirt. That's the real winner of this parade. Yeah, he's yeah. got the shirt that says F them draft picks. Good for him. Right. There, there were a lot of people who had a lot of takes about Vaughn Miller trade, Matthew Stafford trade. Does Odell Beckham Jr. have anything left in the tank? And they were all extremely bad and extremely online on Sunday, defending what they were saying. So that was fun to watch. It was always going to work out like this, too. Right? I, they don't, I don't know how they didn't know this. When you pair a bunch of good players together, it usually works out in their favor. <laughs> And Odell went down. I mean, if you guys want to talk about the Super Bowl a little bit, like I was actually kind of worried for them because Skoranek wasn't doing anything. Skoranek might have like the worst. If you just like watch his targets over the playoffs, he might have the worst targets I've ever seen by a wide receiver, in a, you know, during a Super Bowl run. And then Van Jefferson dropped everything other than, you know, his newborn child. On, on Sunday. So. <laughs> I'm not sure how Skronik plays or has a roster spot. Um, when he played the 49ers in week 18, they were just killing him against the run. And you know how McVay loves to use his wide receivers as blockers. So uh, maybe that says more about what McVay thinks about Van Jefferson, as you mentioned. Well, and maybe we should talk about the game a little bit. What, what was that usage for Van Jefferson? It was just like, uh, slot fade, and that's it. Like, we're just gonna throw it to him. Well, they were running like thing weird. You can do the only thing that he caught was like the short yardage stuff. They'd like run him on jet and then Behind like the check it down jet. to him and stuff. And then they, they tried to, I think it was like two or three deep shots to him, and it was just catch point play. And he just like doesn't go up for it. 
He's just like the DB makes better play on the ball than he does. And it's like, you're supposed to be that guy. So that that's one of the things that I kind of take away from this game, just in terms of like a team building standpoint for the Rams moving forward. I'm like, you guys still need a wide receiver. And I understand, you know, two, two, you spent a second round pick on him. He's hurt. Robert Woods is hurt. Odell is hurt. But like if Van Jefferson is consistently, it, it, if it's just him and Cooper cup, and they're able to bracket Cooper Cup, and they just like, hey, feed Van Jefferson to a win. I don't know if you can do that. So, like, if he's not even, like, an MVS type of, like, field stretcher, then I don't know what you're doing with with Van Jefferson right now. Yeah, Van Jefferson did do some nice things this year in his second NFL season, but once Odell came in and kind of got acclimated to the offense and they started using him a lot more, it was apparent that he was the the clear number two guy in the offense and Van Jefferson's usage rate just went down and to the point where, yeah, they're just kind of using him as like a deep shot guy, but he was really inconsistent down the back half of the season for the Rams. As far as Skoranek goes after that interception of the Super Bowl, I was like, Stafford, don't target him again. What are we, what are we doing here? Why is he on the field? What, why does Skoranek keep getting targets? This is the Super Bowl. What are we doing here? As someone who worked in personnel for a spring league, I could tell you Skoranek is not like a starter at that level. Like Skoranek is not it. I don't, I don't know if the USFL is about to start in what April, we're going to see some better wide receivers in the USFL than what Skoranek was able to put during this playoff run. Super Bowl champion Skoranek. Yeah. He's always going to have ring, that ring though. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he's always going to have that ring. I do think we've got to dive in to this Matthew Stafford Hall of Fame discourse a little bit. It was going to be inevitable. We knew it was going to happen if Stafford won the Super Bowl. He did that. It was a storybook season after you know a decade plus of doing nothing but losing for the Detroit Lions. Comes in Los Angeles Rams, loaded roster, talent all over the place, and they go and win the Super Bowl. I knew we were going to have these conversations. I just, I wanted like a week. I wanted like a week in between where we could get ready for the off season, kind of hang out, get prepared, start, start beefing up on NFL draft content and all of that stuff before we had to have just 72 hours of nothing but Matthew Stafford hall of fame discourse. But that's where we're at. I don't know how you guys feel about this. I don't believe Matthew Stafford is a hall of famer. I'm glad that he was able to get this championship. I'm glad he was able to win a Super Bowl and turn things around because he is a good quarterback, but I, I just don't view him that way. And he's never been like the best quarterback at any point in his NFL career. Has he ever been top three? No, not in has my he ever been Has he ever been top five? No. Maybe so one year, two, maybe two years if you include this year too. So if that's true, if top five, being a top five quarterback over the span of a decade is all it takes to get you in the Hall of Fame, then what are we doing here? Like if, if you were to ask somebody in December, like during, because remember, he was going through like pick sixes left and right during this down the stretch. If you were to ask somebody during that span, hey, do you think Matt Stafford is a Hall of Famer? You probably would have gotten the same answer. Uh, no. What are you talking about? Why would he be a Hall of Famer? So based off of one performance in a Super Bowl, yes, the biggest game in the sport, that shouldn't change your opinion based off of 
a guy who's been in the league for over a decade, man. It's, it's a silly topic. And I know that we have to have content. I know that, you know, that's what drives the internet is, you know, these wild takes, but um, no reasonable human should be able to watch the sport of the, the watch what we just watched and come away thinking that Stafford is a hall of famer. I thought he was outstanding this year. I thought, you know, we we talked about it every week on the show. It seems like we were waiting for Stafford to kind of regress back to down to earth, uh, regress to the mean, even just because he was outstanding against the blitz. He was lights out and that never happened. He kept balling out, but still, um, that doesn't mean that he's a Hall of Famer because of that. I completely – I mean, just look at how hard it is to get into the Hall of Fame right now. Jared Allen is going into his third year. Uh, DeMarcus Ware didn't get in, right? Like all, Patrick all Lewis these, wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. Right. And, you know, Reggie Wayne is just having to, like, sit there. He's, <laughs> like, waiting his turn with the Reggie Wayne. Right. Because because it's all clogged up at wide receiver. I mean, the the next position after wide receiver, once all these guys, I mean, we're just seeing all these guys start to retire now. Is it's going to be quarterback? Like it's going to be hard for Philip Rivers to get into the Hall of Fame. It's going to be hard for Russell Wilson to get into the Hall of Fame. And if Stafford isn't above those guys, then how could you put him there? You know. So I don't know. I, that's it. Feels like we just have to like make a dumb statement about a guy like this after a Super Bowl, like once every year, like what was it a couple years ago? It was like Julian Edelman. Is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? It's like, dude, are you kidding me? Do you watch football? Get out of here. So no, he's not a Hall of Famer. The one thing I will say that rubbed me terribly wrong is the Detroit Lions fans saying like victory Monday. Get out of here. Yeah, you don't get it. What else one playoff game out? in my grandfather's lifetime, and you guys are celebrating this super, this pseudo Super Bowl ring. Packers fans wouldn't have done that if Favre would have won in Minnesota. Get out of here! No, <laughs> it's Detroit though. They don't have anything. Else. <laughs> right. Like the pa- Packers, they got Man Campbell. There's, there's like a winning culture uh, around the fan base and expectations. The Lions fans don't even have expectations. All they have is Matthew Stafford. So this is what I talk about: like fake pain and real pain in in sports. Going two and fifteen or whatever is is that's fake pain. Losing an NFC championship game over and over and over is real pain. You guys don't even know real pain, and you guys are celebrating this. Get out of here. No. I'm fine with the Lions fans just adopting the Rams from now on. That's that, that's fine with me. Their, their organization, and I know Dan Campbell, maybe he actually does turn things around, but the Lions are just such a dumpster fire organization. and That's all they have, right? Yeah. Like, like they're right now they've got Jared Goff and Dan Campbell. Like, like there's no, it's not looking up. Like Dan Campbell seems like he's a solid head coach, but as long as Jared Goff is your quarterback, it's not going anywhere for you in Detroit. And they're just a poorly run organization. So all all the rumors about like, Hey, these teams are taking big swings, you know, at the quarterback position this year. And I'm like, Hey lions, what are you, what are you guys doing? You guys guys should be uh, more of a, more involved in this. You got you guys need to get off of the Jared Goff uh seat right now. And Dan Campbell did like midway through the season. He was just like, Yeah, we need Jared to actually make plays. And then he, <laughs> he Jared's Campbell gotta make some throws sometimes. Yeah. Dan Campbell was he got what like twelve games of it and he was like, Enough is enough. We got we gotta start making yeah. some changes, man. <laughs> 
It's like we're just gonna run the ball fifty times a game. <laughs> Ryan, get just out of here. Stop. That's what yeah. he's trying to do. Yeah, we're just gonna stop throwing all together. Screw this. They started running those trick plays in week eighteen against the Packers. They actually beat them, remember? It, they, they were up by the time the Packers benched their starters because they were running these like uh double flea flicker passes and stuff. And I was like, oh, great. Nice. Yeah, I lost the Packers first half cover because of that. So that was cool. <laughs> so the Matthew Stafford Hall of Fame discussion, I'm sure, is going to continue. We've got a couple of weeks until things really get ramped up in the NFL offseason. Uh, I can't wait for free agency to start. It's a fun time uh, around the NFL. So I'm excited for that. But until then, we'll probably have to sit through quite a bit more Matthew Stafford Hall of Fame discussion, I would assume. Uh, another conversation that I do want to take part in is the Aaron Donald over Cooper Cup for Super Bowl MVP. And now we found out that you have to put in your Super Bowl MVP votes uh, ahead of time, like prior to the two minute warning in the football game. So this is, and so this means that Cooper cup was voted super bowl MVP before he catches like the game ceiling touchdown before Aaron Donald has the uh, game ceiling, like sack or hit on burrow. And I think that's stupid when, especially when they don't announce the super bowl MVP until like 30 plus minutes after the game. Personally, I would have voted for Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald is the best player in football who didn't have a super bowl ring. And they won that Super Bowl in large part because Aaron Donald is so excellent and incredible. Just one of the best football players I've ever seen in my life. So I think he deserved a Super Bowl MVP. I would have given it to him just on his resume, let alone his performance in the game. Yeah, I think if we're just isolating this game in general, like how do you not give it to him? So think about the plays that he made. He, when they needed stops, Aaron Donald made those stops. When they made plays along the defensive line, it was because Aaron Donald – was triple teamed or whatever. So not only is he making plays for his or allowing his teammates to make plays, um, they're down. Zach Taylor <laughs> runs right at Aaron Donald, and guess what happens? He gets a stop. Uh, at the last play of the game, when when Jamar Chase is running down the sideline, and we see this, people wonder why. Wait, why didn't he throw it? Well, that's because that number 99 guy was in Joe Burrow's face. So the way that he affects the game is unlike really any player that I've seen. Um, and then just this specific game, it was it was so painfully obvious that he was the MVP. And you mentioned how, you know, you can't make the votes two minutes left or whatever. Um, look at Cooper Cup's stats then. And then if we, if we were to look at Aaron Donald's stats from pressures, quarterback hits, wins and all of those things compared to Cup's one touchdown, which great was like a corner route, whatever. And then what? He was very quiet for, I believe, like two, two and a half quarters before then. I don't know if you can fault that for McVay or whatever, but still, he didn't produce. Aaron Donald produced. It seems like a very simple outcome where, like, how is Donald not the MVP? But, I mean, it's, it's he's a defensive player, and that's not who you think of when you're thinking of these things. You, you know, everybody's thinking offense, touchdowns. Still, um, it's it's. I wonder how he feels about this because he can say as many times he wants that it's not a big deal, but it has to matter to him, right? I mean, he's probably just celebrating right now. I'm sure like in a couple of years, he's going to be like, yeah, I, I, sh I should have been a Super Bowl MVP. But you look at like uh, ESPN a couple has of years when he's retired. Oh, well, maybe this offseason, him and Monday Night <laughs> McVay. People thought I was joking about Monday Night McVay. All this stuff comes out. I get tagged on Twitter 
every single time the news comes out. And I'm like, hey, guys, I'm not joking. They had negotiations with him for $10 million per year last year. That doesn't happen by accident. You don't get a $10 million offer like sent to your email. There were negotiations. So, of course, he's thinking about it. Um, the the McVeigh, just to go on a McVeigh rant a little bit, the McVeigh stuff is kind of interesting to me because he, he what, texted Ian Rappaport before the game and was like, I'm fully committed to this team. And then they ask him after the game and he's like, we'll see. So that seemed very like, uh, let's keep my team focused on this game going into the Super Bowl and then just completely lies to, you know, the media, the public, all of it. So fun, fun to see how that sausage got made. The Aaron Donald thing, to your point, Cooper Cup doesn't catch a touchdown, right? That second touchdown until after the two-minute warning. People say that, you know, hey, you turn it in at two minutes and then you can change, you know, your vote from there. You've been in the press box. What, is, what does the press box look like the last two minutes of a game? Because I imagine it's just people frantically writing. They're gamers, right? And everybody's scrambling. Yes. They're Seriously, not like everybody's getting up, scrambling. A lot of people are leaving like with four minutes, three minutes left, not even watching the game to go isolate themselves and write the recap that they're going to work on because they have an editor who told them, I need this story done. 45, 60 minutes from now. So that's what they're focused on. So they're going to write, all right, what do I think? Oh, Cooper Cup. He just had the play, the big play that got the Rams into position. So I'm going to vote for him. Ignoring everything else that happened in the game, ignoring that his final touchdown happened after the Rams had 17 freaking chances to score. Uh, there's just so many instances where it just doesn't make sense. But yeah, like to your point, um, the people in the, in the press box are just scrambling all over the place the last couple of minutes trying to finish their game stories. Who's grading the graders? Who's charting the charters? We need we need oversight on the uh, Super Bowl MVP voting. It, it's a it's a shame because you look at uh, ESPN's pass block win rate, which they I, I I think that's a shoulder pad chip stat. But my favorite, uh, yeah, my my favorite, obviously. Um, the last uh, I, I think it was something like the the Bengals had like a twenty percent pass block win rate which means that, you know, the Rams, when, you know, the Bengals are dropping back to pass for 2.5 seconds or longer, four of the five uh, Bengals players are getting beat by by Los Angeles Rams uh, pass rushers, basically. And you can see how Aaron Donald was impacting the game. I, I guess this is more like a scouting thing, right? Or like a scheme thing or like a coaching thing. But you could see like the first half of the game, they weren't really dropping back to pass like that. Like it was a bunch of quick game stuff. Like, we got to get the ball out of our hand because we just simply can't block up the guys up front. That's something that should be seen as, you know, another positive for Aaron Donald. But the fact that people kind of came away and thought that he wasn't having that much impact of the game, like he, he helped win him that Super Bowl, right? Like if you look at Joe Burrow's stats, you know, excluding the illegal uh, 75 be harder where he just face mass, uh, face mass Jalen Ramsey, Burrow had something like, 35 or 35 dropbacks for like 180 yards or something. And that's Nothing. not a Super Bowl performance. Like those numbers are very skewed. Um, one, because you don't look at the sacks in the passing stats. And then two, because they got that illegal 75 yarder down the field. Yeah. The score wound up being a lot closer than I think it should have been really be- because of well, that big play. Between that and McVeigh just being like first down. Yeah, Cam Akers time, one yard. Yeah, and the Rams just insisting on running the ball and just doing absolutely nothing on the ground. 
for whatever reason. But I think that had something to do with too. Like after the Odell Beckham injury, they seem to really stall out on offense. And it is being reported that Odell Beckham likely tore his ACL, which is a major bummer for him as a guy who, you know, get goes through everything that he went through with the Browns, comes to LA, wins a ring. And now he is headed into an off season where he may come back to LA. He's got a chance to hit free agency and go land with another team, but he's got a rehab from his second ACL tear in a year and a half. So I, I think that that really, I think that injury, cause like early on in the game, you could see like they're going at Odell. He's going to free up Cooper cup. Like, and then as soon as he got hurt, Sean McVay, and we talked about Skaronic and Van Jefferson, it was like McVay was just like, okay, I don't trust anybody else except for Cup. Let's just run the ball. Let's just feed Cam Akers for no reason. And also, Daryl Henderson had two big passing plays. I was like, Dude, give Daryl some, oh! some run. What are we doing here with Cam Akers? He can't do anything. On so the that Friday Akers show. is clearly his his guy. Like, there's no doubt about it that Akers is his guy, and Akers is coming off an injury. So McVay, and this is where just like the human element is a thing. He wants him to showcase. He wants to showcase Akers is back. Look, Akers is my guy. I know that he's this good. Whereas we saw one pass to Henderson, and it's like, where the hell has this been? Like, why do you not do this more and more? So every every run on early downs. Like, why not just throw it to Henderson out of the backfield? Why not just throw it to Akers underneath out of the backfield? It was like McVay wanted to lose that game, man. And it, it, maybe he should retire after this because uh, just this whole playoff run, not just the Super Bowl, he was not good this this entire playoff stretch. On the Friday show, I took every Daryl Henderson over bet that I could have. And my thought was Cam Akers is so bad that they have to realize they have to ride with Daryl Henderson. And me watching that game was just getting like every first down rush with Cam Akers just made me even more mad. I had five prop bets on the Super Bowl. They were all on Rams. <laughs> Good things happening for the Rams. I hit zero of them, even though they won. I want you I to imagine on. how bad I messed this up. <laughs> it was Van Jefferson over 18 and a half yards on, on his longest reception. Matthew Stafford under pass attempts, two Daryl Henderson props, and then uh, Odell Beckham Jr. over. And he damn near hit that over and a half and then blew out his ACL. I was sick to my stomach. I lost so much money. I thought it would be Akers just because of what I said. I thought McVay was going to go out of his way to show out that this is a guy. And obviously that didn't come anywhere near hitting. He just In came off an Achilles tear, man. Like he has not been good this entire stretch. He hasn't. No doubt about it. Um if you're talking about McVeigh choking too, I mean, and and looking like he didn't know kind of what the moment was, dude, the last two minutes were a fever dream. Like the the Rams are snapping the ball with 15 seconds left on the play clock. They could drain it out, make sure the Bengals do not get the ball back, you know, af after they potentially score. And then the Bengals are just not calling timeouts at all before the two minute warning, which is how we kind of see this stuff deployed now. It was so weird. Like both of them, end of game, like clock management, just were like, it was like watching two kids who were playing Madden for the first time go against each other, not guys who can lead their teams to Super Bowls. Which is not surprising based on everything that both of these coaches have done all season long. We'll see. It sounds like Sean McVay is coming back to the Rams for at least one more year. If I were him, I'd be taking that ESPN money probably at. 36 years old. That seems like a much easier life than being an NFL head coach. Um, 
but I assume he's going to do that eventually. Like it's, it's just going to take one bad year for the Rams and John McVay's going to be like, all right, I'm out of here. Uh, now, do you, do you know, do you know how much they're paying these guys now? Romo is getting 18 per year, right? Zach Taylor got something like uh, three and a half to, to coach, you know, a football team. That means Tony Romo is making five times more than the coach that just took his team to the Super Bowl. TV money is good, man. It's, <laughs> it's why you're seeing every good referee leaves for TV money. That's why we have a referee problem in the NFL. Like, if you have that opportunity and you could pick – the other thing, too, is not even necessarily just the money, but you get to pick your next spot. You don't have to go through a reboot. Look at, like, what Sean Payton is going through right now where – He's literally retiring and then talking about potentially coming back in two or three years, you know, in that retirement conference. Like if you are Sean McVay or Sean Payton and you don't want to have to go through this entire rebuild where you're like, we literally don't have any picks next year and we don't have any first round picks for like a decade because we traded for veterans and we we pumped everything into this title window. I'll just leave instead of rebuild, and then I'll come back as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys when they already have Dak Prescott in hand. Like, it's a good strategy. The 2020s are for the quitters, man. This is the, this is the decade for the quitters. It's good to be a quitter right now. Sean Payton put the Saints in cap hell and just said, all right, I'm out of here. I'm going to go cash these TV checks for a couple years, maybe buy a new beach house or something, and then I'll come back when there's a when there's a job open that I'm really interested in. And Hey, I, I think Andy, Andy Reid can't coach forever, right? Yeah. Like Mahomes is open. Oh, hey, by the way, I would like to return to coaching. I would right. like to coach Patrick Mahomes, by the way. I just got a sudden urge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's what you should do. Always always take the money. I'll, I'll always take the easy opportunity when it presents itself, uh, especially in the NFL. I'm always in favor of that. But you mentioned Zach Taylor, and the Bengals did make it official – Earlier today, they have signed Zach Taylor to a contract extension through 2026. We've been hard on Zach on this podcast, and I think deservedly so. We've mentioned that there's a world where, you know, them firing Zach Taylor after making a Super Bowl appearance is the best thing for Joe Burrow in this offense moving forward. And I still stand by that after the Super Bowl. Great. They had an improbable run, AFC championship season, all that stuff's great. If I had to pick one team who is not going to find the same kind of success next season, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, I don't have any faith that this team is going to make it back to another AFC title game or anything like that next year, especially with Zach Taylor as the head coach. I don't know I how think, they, yeah, how, how do they? Like, well, think about, think about the AFC. space helps. Like, that, sure. that's, that's my only rebuttal there I don't, I don't think it's going to be because of the coaching i think it's like if they return it's because of a you know infusion of talent that they can like settle down that right side of the offensive line and actually get some some players out there just because they have so much money to spend like that's that's the, their path to return i think but the big question to me is like jackson carmen was the backup right guard right he came in for a little bit against kansas city basically allowed I think it was like five pressures and like five pass blocking attempts. He literally got it like a zero grade from PFF. If you're still banking on that guy and you're still treating him as like a developmental guy, he was a second round pick. That could completely derail this. Cause if you just have a bad offensive line and Zach Taylor, I, I don't think lightning strikes twice. You got to fix one of those two situations. And if Zach Taylor is on, you know, long-term then 
hey, man, you, you got to invest in that offensive line. That's that's where all the money has got to go. And that seems obvious. Um, you know, we knew Zach Taylor was going to wind up getting an extension out of this. Like you just don't coaches don't take their teams to a Super Bowl and get fired. But it does feel like we're going to be talking about it in a couple of years, like how he held this offense back, like how he held Joe Burrow back and, and you know, kept them from being one of those teams that could have been at, at the top of the AFC for several years. But we'll see what they do this offseason. Uh, obviously, they've got a lot of money and they've got some really talented players. I just don't I, I don't see them. Yeah. As KP mentioned in the AFC challenging Mahomes regularly, Justin Herbert and, and the Chargers is long as they can keep putting assets there and building their offensive lineup, they've they're going to be really, really good and they're going to be a problem. And then you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins and Jimmy G and like all these available quarterbacks. Tom, Tom Brady, Thomas <laughs> yeah. Brady. Maybe Tom Brady's going to come back. He's already acting like he misses it. Uh, we're, we're not even a week removed from the Super Bowl. And Tom Brady's already backtracking that retirement. That always, again, it felt like a goodbye to Tampa. It did not feel like a goodbye to the NFL. And if he's going to go about this the way that it's been reported, where he's going to wait for Tampa to make a move at quarterback before he comes back, that's very like, that's the Brett Favre situation. Like that that's the exact same thing, right? So if Tampa doesn't send him into the NFC, is it worth him going back to the AFC? Because they're gonna be able to control his rights and be able to move him like that. Um the the big thing is like Tampa can hold him hostage a little bit. I remember uh during the Favre thing, right? Favre wanted to play for Minnesota or he wanted to play for Tampa because they would play against the Green Bay Packers and he wanted to play against the Green Bay Packers in that first year. They said to hell with you and just sent him to the New York Jets. So if Tom Brady comes back, he might not be able to like pick his landing spot in that way. Like you still have to comply with whatever Tampa does. The big thing is just like if you sign it, you if you're Tampa and you bring in Russell Wilson, you already have that contract, right? You have all these veterans. It's already tough to build a roster around what you have cap situation wise. And then Tom Brady comes back, you're gonna have to move him pretty quickly. Like this is what happened with Gronkowski too. If you want to look at like a recent example, right, where New England was like, we have to move you pretty quick oh, we don't really have any leverage here. I guess we're going to let you go to Tampa. Like, it happens. The big thing is, like, Miami already allegedly tampered with uh, Tom Brady, right? Where were you talking about, you know, him showing up on Stephen Ross's yacht? <laughs> don't get in trouble here. Don't get in trouble here. The, the Vikings got in trouble for tampering uh, with, with Brett Favre when he was still under contract with the Packers. Tom Brady can't have these conversations right now. So if you're gonna have to do it, like do it on uh, your little blockchain or whatever, Tom. Don't 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 have it on any sort of like a uh, company cell phone that can be traced back to you. Do you think that will happen as far as Tampa Bay holding him hostage, or do you think because there was a ring involved that'll have some good graces with the organization? Like how will that how will the situation turn out? And just assets think- like teams look at you as an asset, so like hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think with Tampa Bay, though, they've the whole Brady run there was just give Brady whatever he wants, give him whatever he wants, do whatever he wants, you know, bring in Gronk, bring in Antonio Brown, do whatever we have to do to make him happy, despite what Bruce Arians says. Because Bruce Arians, you know, multiple <laughs> times, was like, oh, we're not doing that, we're not doing that. And then the Bucks turn around and do it because 
Brady's sitting upstairs saying, yeah, this is what I want. This is what you're going to give me. And so I could see a situation where they they do whatever Brady wants because they're like, ah, we we respect you, Tom. You, you gave us what you had and we got a ring out of it. And, and so we're fine. We, we got to figure out what the plan is after you anyway. So so let's just go ahead and get that thing jump started. I don't know. Like, I feel like the fact that Bruce hasn't retired yet, you know, considering his age, um, the fact that like he wants to take big swings at quarterbacks, you know, reportedly, I, I can't see them just like, hey, yeah, just walk away and we'll cut you and just go sign with, you know, the Denver Broncos or go play for another NFC team. Like if you're making a move, and you're trading for a quarterback like Russell Wilson, why would you let Tom Brady play in your, in the NFC? It doesn't make any sense. It only makes your path harder. It's not like you're going to have more shots, you know, at, at the Super Bowl than than you have right now. Um, the other thing too is just like you you don't owe him that much, right? Like you right. you signed all his guys, you you did all the conditional things, and then if he wants to play you on the back end where it's, Hey, you have to make a decision in a week because my cap hit is going to come onto the books. Then two can play that game. Right? Like Antonio Brown did all this stuff because of you, right? Gronkowski is going to retire. It's not like we have Gronkowski's rights too. So it's, I don't know. I, I, I think it's more of like a, a professional relationship more than a, Oh, Tom, we got it. We got to do you right. It's fair. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Russell Wilson and actually let's take a quick time out right now. When we get back, we'll get into that report that the bucks might be interested in trading for Russell Wilson or possibly Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson. Also the Dallas Cowboys, according to ESPN are in some hot water. So we'll get into that as well. Coming up next on NFL university. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Stephen Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Before the break, we were just kind of discussing Tom Brady and whether or not he might actually come back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But there was a report that came out this week. The Bucs could be interested in pursuing a trade for Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson or Seattle Seahawks quarterback russell wilson uh if you haven't heard it you can find this interview on the sb nation nfl show our very own rob stats sat down with russell wilson over super bowl week and pressed him on you know him wanting out of seattle and the teams that he supposedly was interested now russell didn't give him uh 
much of a response to his pressing, but it, it was it's a good listen, so you should definitely check that out. You can find that on the SB Nation NFL show. But it seems like, despite what Russell Wilson's saying right now, it seems like he wants out of Seattle. And maybe there is a scenario where he legitimately does force his way out this offseason and finds a home somewhere else. And maybe that is Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has got so many free agents this off season that there's a good chance that roster looks a lot different than the one that we saw this past two years with Tom Brady. Like their receivers might be down to Mike Evans and Cyril Grayson and, <laughs> and, and, and what, and what's his face from Minnesota who Tom Brady seems to absolutely hate Tyler Johnson. Like that, those receivers might not be quite as stacked as they were during the Brady area era. And it definitely seems like Gronk is going to be out of there. Leonard Fournette's already being reportedly going to hit free agency. They're not going to resign him. So that Tampa Bay team might not be uh, as desirable a destination as we think it is at the moment. Yeah. The, Ryan Jensen is an unrestricted free agent too. So they might have some changes to go on the offensive line as well. And this isn't just like your every run in the middle center. This is like one of the best centers in the NFL and who knows what they're going to do. You know, they might lose Carlton Davis at cornerback too. So that's another thing. So um, yeah, the Tampa Bay that we saw this past season or the Tampa Bay that we expected to see this past season is probably not going to be uh, the Tampa Bay we see next year, which is why, you know, Brady is thinking about leaving. So yeah, there, there are plenty of different directions that, um, I feel like we can see a bunch of different versions of Tampa Bay next year. I don't understand why Tampa is the first one leaked. I mean, that must be that must be a Russell Wilson side, right? Leak. If you're if you're thinking about this, either player or team, right? If you're the Seahawks, why are you trading this guy in conference again? I don't understand. Like, I understand the AFC is tough, right? Um, that means the AFC is also desperate, right? So these teams that are going to need these quarterback improvements are going to give more in the NFC or in the AFC than the NFC. And if you're Seattle, why would you want him to move in, in conference, make it harder for you during a playoff run? It's not like Pete Carroll is a spring chicken. So it's not like they're going to have a ton of time to do this rebuild. And Tampa doesn't have the assets to really go after a quarterback. So I wouldn't get it from like Seattle standpoint. If it's anything short of like two first round picks and two seconds, like, how, how can you make that trade? Yeah, it's they, they've got to load up to go get a guy like Russell Wilson. And I think this is just the first of many where we're, we're going to see a lot of these. Yeah, Russell dropped his list soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, if I'm and if I'm Seattle, I get Russell Wilson wants out. But I mean, you're not really incentivized to move him. Like even if he's unhappy, like you can just keep him and say, well, you can, you can just keep playing for us or you can just not play this season. And I, I would expect that that's probably what's going to happen. I, I, I just don't know that he's legitimately going to get moved because it's not a good decision for the Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, the report that they are interested in Deshaun Watson, I wanted to get into this a little bit with you guys because we knew this was coming, right? Like we expected that this was going to happen. I, I don't know that I thought it was going to be quite so soon after the season ended, you know, two days, three days removed from the Super Bowl. And we instantly make that turn, you know, free agencies coming up. We're getting ready for the NFL draft. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are interested in trading for Deshaun Watson, who 
has no resolution as far as his off the field problems go at the moment. But I think we could see this coming, right? That as soon as the season was over, it was going to be, okay, well, if he's available, you know, he's still a really, really good quarterback, like top five potential player if he's available and healthy. And there's a lot of teams across the league that would not have a problem trading with him despite there being no resolution with all of his off the field stuff. And it's just a matter of, well, yeah, but we already spent a whole season going through this and people forget about stuff quickly in football. So let's just go get Deshaun Watson and put him on our team and make sure we got a franchise quarterback. 21, man. I mean, 21 is hard to forget about, right? And the the biggest thing to me is like, okay, even if there is a resolution, how many of the th- how many of those 21 are resolved? Because if, if, if you don't remember... Um, at the trade deadline when there was discussions about, you know, Deshaun Watson potentially going to the Miami Dolphins, the Houston Texans basically asked for more in compensation back in, in a trade for Deshaun Watson with the more cases that were resolved, right? Where they had a number agreed upon with the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins worked with him to resolve more of these issues. And then the Texans were basically like, oh, well, if you're going to solve these issues, then we're going to ask for more. And it's like, that is such bad, like bad faith negotiation. Like I, I don't understand how he gets moved until every single case is resolved in some way, form or fashion. So you can want Deshaun Watson, but what the new league year starts in like a month. Yeah. Have we heard anything? Like it's the same thing with the trade deadline where everyone is like, Hey, you know, if they could figure out these Deshaun Watson issues by the trade deadline, then he could get moved. And it's like, well, have you heard anything? Cause I don't think anything is happening yet. There's been no new information in what, like a half year now over yeah. a half a year. Yeah. And expecting that there's going to be any new information before the start of the new, the new league year uh, just feels naive, short-sighted, or just hopeful, I guess, wishing if you need a quarterback, you're probably hoping that's the case. But the fact that, the reports are just coming out and all of a sudden we're going to act like, you know, it's, it's all good. Um, it's, it's so NFL, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. The NFL's made it pretty clear that, you know, if a team does trade for him, I, they're not going to block it. They're not going to, you know, put him on the exempt list and say that he can't play next season. Like they've made that pretty clear throughout the entirety of this year, even though Houston decided to to sit him and not play him throughout the entire well, season. He, he probably would have played if he were with any other team, right? This past year. Yeah. He if he gets, if he gets dealt at the trade deadline, I think he would have been trying to play. Well, not even that. The The reason that he's not playing is because of a contract dispute. Right. And, and the fact that he doesn't want to play with the Texans, it's not because of any of these, you know, pending issues. Yeah, because he he could have been active easily. Like he was playing scout team. Remember that? So right. Uh, as part of the early on in the season, we were talking about that, and um, there there were reports come out like, oh, Deshaun Watson is, is inactive once again. Like, well, of course he is. But the fact that it was always about what Justice was just talking about is again it's just it's as NFL as it gets, man. It's pathetic. The other thing, just from a timing perspective, too, to kind of put this more into context, even. Deshaun is still getting paid like an elite quarterback, like to this day. So the idea that you're going to be able to trade for him, maybe even like after the draft and you'll just have enough cap space to be able to handle it. I don't think that's reality. So I, I really do think this is like a new league year type of situation. So if this doesn't get solved in like the next month, like 
how could you trade for the guy? Or I guess you just what you trade for him and then sit on him. And Cross you're your like, I, I hope this gets solved, but it's not like Houston isn't asking for anything in return as we saw with, you know, the, the Miami dolphins thing at the trade deadline. So it just seems like at, at this point where they're at right now, everything involved legally team building standpoint, what Deshaun wants, like why wouldn't this just carry on for another year? It just feels like he's going to get dealt somewhere. That team's going to know there's a huge PR hit coming, but it's NFL offseason, and they'll weather the storm. Deshaun Watson won't have to face the media or talk to anybody until we get to training camp or something like that. And then by that time, they'll hope that most fans have just forgotten about it. And then when he does face the media and has to answer some questions, he'll just refuse most of them probably like feels like that's, that's the way this thing is probably going to play out until there is some type of actual like legal ramifications or or report or conclusion to this entire thing. I am going to assume that he's going to play football next season. I did put this Kyler Murray story on the rundown specifically because I just wanted to give justice uh some time uh get his thoughts out on, on one of his favorite quarterbacks in football uh kyler murray you know deleted the arizona cardinals from his instagram account and then chris mortensen puts out a report that the cardinals think he's immature he's not a first guy in first guy out like you want your quarterbacks to be in the nfl right and then kyler murray releases a statement that none of that's true and that you know he works really hard and all he wants to do is win it feels like this thing was inevitable and we've talked about cliff a ton on this podcast and the cardinals for the entire year you know wound up being hugely disappointing down the stretch but at one point looked like they were the best team in football before Kyler started getting banged up and teams started adjusting. But a lot of it is just give Kyler the ball and let him go make a play. So I kind of see where Kyler Murray is coming from and, and, and am not upset at him for, for being frustrated with the Arizona Cardinals. I just don't really know what he's after here aside from more money, unless all of a sudden he just doesn't want to play for the Arizona Cardinals anymore. That's my big question, right? So Eric Burkhart represents both Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. He's the agent for both of them. So if you're thinking that this leak is coming out, it's probably coming from management that isn't coaching, I guess is the best way to explain it. Like it's coming from like front office executives, I would assume. Um, It's crazy that the narrative is now Kyler Murray, who we've never heard a bad thing about up until this point, is immature. He's a bad teammate, all this stuff. We haven't seen him like blow up on anyone on the sideline or anything like that. But it seems like the public perception of him versus like where it's trending for like Deshaun Watson, the story we just talked about is totally different when like Deshaun's like probably right again, 21, 21 women probably done some like actually heinous stuff. We're like Kyler Murray is just like, Oh, he's not very spunky when he shows up in, into the facilities in the morning. Like, Grow up, man. Like Kyler Murray is Kyler Murray is a starting caliber quarterback. Do what you need to do to to build the team around him. I know I've been hard on him. Wow, not, I was going to say, not, Steve, not winning games. I know, not winning games after Halloween. It's a it's a tough thing for him. <laughs> There's the shot. Also grabbing things off of the top shelf. Um, but other than, other than that, Kyler seems like he's been a solid dude. So I understand. There's probably like frustration here, but like 
Kyler is going to get like that $40 million contract. Like, what are you, you guys are hating on this quarterback publicly, or at least, you know, leaking stuff to the public that you're going to have to pay like all this money to like Kyler might be the guy to ask for a trade and have, you know, the, the pre allegations Deshaun issue where year two of a contract, he's like, actually, I want out. You guys got to trade me now. Just think about the difference of how we talk about the Browns quarterback and how we how we talk about the Cardinals quarterback. It's it's pretty incredible, man. Especially hey, Baker didn't quit on his team, man. <laughs> right? Did, did you know he was hurt? I've been told. That's the reason they were a massive disappointment, though. <laughs> the Browns oh, fans are down, down rough. I have seen I have seen a ton of uh, the little like, hey, five trades to make this offseason and every single one is some sort of like flip of baker mayfield for kyler murray <laughs> and I'm like ah you're not getting up the hook that easy i'm sure cliff would love that well and i think the report by chris mortensen about you know kind of just like sullying his character questioning his work ethic or whatever i think that's kind of bogus and that feels like it's a it's a total team you're a guy who got drafted in the first round in two sports about his work ethic. Yeah. And it's, what are we talking about? It's like a, it's, it's a total team week to a reporter response to, you know, him scrubbing his account. And maybe there is some, some things that are going on behind the scenes. And so I, I think that report sucks. I, I think it's, a, it always sucks when teams put that stuff out there. Cause that's clearly somebody from within the organization doing that. Kyler Murray is a really good player. Like even if he's not necessarily, you know, the outspoken guy, the guy, the the loud quarterback who you want, like hyping up the team. Well, I would say that Justin Herbert doesn't seem to be that guy either. And we don't ever question Justin Herbert's work ethic or, or how invested he is in what he's trying to do with the chargers. It's dumb. It's, it seems like the Cardinals are, it seems like this is like a contract issue, right? Where the Cardinals are saying, Hey, you're you're not Mahomes, so we don't really want to pay you like Mahomes. And he said, "That's not what you're paying me for. You're paying me to be Kyler Murray. Run my check. Like th- this is the exchange that we're doing." And it seems like, I guess it's like pre buyer's remorse from Arizona that is like leading to this leak. But I, I just don't understand why you would like kneecap your quarterback like this. Like he's still extremely young. You're talking about a guy you might have a relationship with for the next decade. And he knows this stuff isn't leaking from anyone other than you. That's the thing that gets me. Like, who else would this be coming from? Like, come on, man. If Cliff did this, his agency would be like, are you kidding me? This is a potentially like a quarter billion dollar quarterback. No, you are not going to leak this stuff out. So it can't come from the coaching staff. It can't come from Kyler's camp. It has to come from like the front office and like the, the executive branch of like the team. Yeah, I, playing hardball with the guy who should be your franchise quarterback doesn't seem like a good strategy. <laughs> Seems dumb, frankly. Like, might very not work dumb. out. Yeah, like you don't have any better options. I mean, Kirk Cousins is out here making ungodly amounts of money, and I'd rather have Kyler Murray personally. Like, I'll pay, I'll pay Kyle, Kyler Murray whatever he wants if those are my options. If my options are like Kirk Cousins or Jimmy G or Kyler Murray, I'm going to take Kyler Murray every every day of the week. Before we get out of here, there was a report today from ESPN's Don Van Nata on the Dallas Cowboys. They 
apparently paid a confidential settlement of $2.4 million after four members of their iconic cheerleading squad accused a senior team executive of voyeurism in their locker room as they undressed during a 2015 event at AT AT&T Stadium. Each of the women received $399,000. We'll just leave it at that. A little bit more than that. Uh, After the incident, one of the cheerleaders alleged that she clearly saw Richard Dalrymple, the Cowboys' longtime senior vice president for public relations and communications, standing behind a partial wall in their locker room with his iPhone extended towards them while they were changing their clothes. Obviously, this is a a hugely problematic report for the Dallas Cowboys, but what makes it even more problematic is that Richard Dalrymple was still with the Cowboys until recently when ESPN started poking around about this settlement and the lawsuit. And then he retired quietly. The Cowboys said absolutely nothing about it publicly. And this is a guy who's been with Jerry and this organization for a long time. And the Dallas Cowboys just let him retire, let him fade away, didn't say a thing about it, and just kept it totally quiet because they didn't want anybody to say anything about it. And they didn't want it to make headlines. They knew this report was going to come out by ESPN, but they're doing what a lot of NFL teams do and saying, well, the news cycle's quick. So as long as he's out of the organization, we can say that he retired and we got rid of him before the report came out and everybody will forget about it. It's the NFL, man. They sweep. Imagine the stories we don't hear about like this that will never come out, that will never see the light of day, that get swept under the rug every day. Because you have to think, like you ha- you are naive if you think that these things aren't happening a few times a month. And for multiple organizations, because we have examples everywhere that they are. And I mean, it's it's tough to talk about just because it's going to keep happening. Like, nothing's going to change. There's no no fun. Nothing about the premise of what we just talked about. There's nothing that it will fundamentally change. It's it's gross. Um, I, I don't know what to say because we can say. Well, you should have done this. You should have done that. And then tomorrow there's going to be a new story that we're going to talk about. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know where to go with this, man. The the investigation by the Cowboys. I don't know if you guys read the, the full article. The investigation by the Cowboys seemed very half-hearted. Um, basically what they did. Oh, the internal investigation? The internal investigation. Yes. They they basically were like, hey, turn over your phone. We're, we're going to check to see if like... Uh, I guess there's a way to check, like, even if you had, like, deleted files or whatever, like, they show up or whatever. And they they were like, this is the phone you used, right? And he was like, yep, this is the phone I used. And they were just, like, took his word for that. And they were like, we didn't find anything on the phone, so uh, he must not have done it. The other thing that they didn't do is they didn't use uh, any of, like, the uh, history or, like, tracking of the key card that was used to open the door, the back door that he snuck into when he was filming these women. Like that, it seems like there's a ton of holes in this story and that they just simply didn't want this out, which isn't surprising, but like we shouldn't let the Cowboys off the hook for that. The other thing is they allege the same guy on the draft stream was taking up upskirt uh, photos or videos of literally Jerry Jones's daughter, who's the executive vice president of the team. This is nuts, dude. Like, this is this dude's like a class A sicko. Who does this? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. It 
it's gross and you know we wanted to talk about it because it's something that deserves our attention like this is a guy who was their director of public relations and communications like he's the one who's in charge of access he's the one who's in charge of the players that we get to talk to and, and the storylines that come out of that building and also the one who kind of when things go wrong, they're the ones who try to manage the public expectation and public implications and stuff like that. And the Cowboys clearly did not take this very seriously. They just said, okay, here's a little bit of cash. Just make it go away. And, and then he just continued working there. Like, yeah, it's especially heinous if the report about Jerry Jones' daughter is true. Like, like, what are we doing here, Dallas? Because he has to know. Like, if everything goes through Jerry Jones, he has to have had this information. Yeah. It's, it's gross. It's gross. It's nuts. I, I don't get – like, this is just another story of power and how, how, how powerful people are able to do things against people who feel powerless, right? Like, it's not like the cheerleading business is highly lucrative and – um, extremely stable, right? It's not like, hey, I'm a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. I got canned in Dallas. Oh, I'll just go find another job for another NFL franchise in Dallas that I could be a cheerleader for. Like, that's not how this, none of this stuff exists. So it's like, yeah, we'll just keep it quiet if we pay you enough money and people accept it because they're in a position where they can't do anything other than that. So. I don't know, man. It's a bummer. Um, it's very shady the way Dallas operated the entire time, which is disheartening again. I mean, how many times do we have to talk about this? Like, this stuff isn't fun to talk about. Deshaun Watson isn't fun to talk about. This situation isn't fun to talk about. Like, how many times do we have to see this? Like, fix your culture. This is a culture problem, very clearly. And it, it starts top down when the franchise isn't doing anything other than saying, hey, give me a phone. Tell me that it was the phone that you used okay, I just have to take your word for it. That's a, that's a culture problem, right? So fix it. Damn it, man. Oh. And it, again, just speaks to how problematic the power structure is in the NFL. Like Roger Goodell holding his Super Bowl press conference and getting asked about the Washington football team and all the allegations that are out there right now against Daniel Snyder and it being leaked that Washington was in charge of their own investigation. And then Roger has to come out and say, no, 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 no. They're not in charge of their own investigation. The NFL is. We, we, we wouldn't let them do that. And it's like, they're, they're not like, in charge of it. They only paid for it. Yeah. It seems like it was pretty clear they were in charge of their own investigation because you guys didn't really care. Like, that's that's what I believe, Raj. So, yeah, we, we have to hold the NFL accountable uh, for a lot of this stuff. And that's why we do have to talk about reports like these, even though they're gross. And yeah, again, we, we don't want to talk about it. We want to talk about the fun stuff in football, but we have to have these conversations sometimes. But thank you guys for listening to another edition of NFL University. You can follow KP at KP underscore show. You can follow Justice at J-U-M-O-S-Q. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing here on the SB Nation NFL show on Apple as well as Spotify. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me on Twitter. We'll talk to you guys next week. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. 
you can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.